it's the parents. They're, 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 they're fucking weird, man. They're yeah, weird they're people. All right. Yeah, they're insane. I've seen some weird stuff at wrestling tournaments. Welcome back to Royals Weekly, off-season edition. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and with me as always, a man who once cold-cocked two mall Santas in one day, people, my brother Mike. Didn't even happen in a mall either. There's actually one in my living room and one in the alley behind the dirty apartment that I lived in. Take that, Christmas Santa. You steal from me. You steal from the, or the Salvation Army steals from me. I'm not okay with Santa's. <laughs> That's an interesting story into itself. The time that Salvation Army stole a couch from Mike, but we'll get to that some other episode uh, for today. Let's just say if you're a mall Santa, let's just keep a good wide distance away from Mike. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just give him a you wide bird. Better keep your head on a swivel. I can tell you yeah, that. Keep your head on a swivel and just look out for a dude who's you'll hear him coming. His footsteps are pretty loud. And My breathing his, is very heavy. Yeah, his, yeah. <laughs> I ran out of the mouth. He's a real mouth breather. Um, and so, yeah, you'll hear him coming, but make sure you just got that head on a swivel. Okay. Um, on this episode of Royals Weekly, we'll discuss, I guess, something. Uh, to be honest, this offseason has been slow, even by molasses standards for the Royals. And of course, there's a lockout right now, so literally nothing is going on uh, in baseball altogether. Uh, even so, we'll talk about the wisdom of the do-nothing strategy the Royals are employing this offseason, and maybe talk a little bit about the crumbs of news that have fallen since our last episode. Are you ready, Mike? Always ready. All gas, no brakes, baby. In our last episode, we focused on who the Royals might protect leading up to the Rule 5 draft and who they might cut from their 40-man roster to make room for those guys. Well, we now know who they've chosen to protect. They've chosen to protect catcher MJ Melendez, first baseman Nick Prado, pitcher Jonathan Bolin, middle infielder Mikel Garcia, and relief pitchers Colin Snyder and Nathan Webb. Mike, your thoughts on who was chosen to be protected and who wasn't? I, I was honestly quite surprised that they left Rudy Martin unprotected. Uh, I like Rudy Martin. You like Rudy Martin. He's the kind of guy that the Royals have actually had and used effectively as at the very least a fourth outfielder. So I was a little bit surprised that they, they didn't protect Rudy Martin. Honestly, I know Snyder's had a, a good year. I was a little surprised with Lee Summit North Zone, Nathan Webb. Um, I know Nathan Webb. He's uh, he was a quarterback at the high school where I coach football. He was a good baseball player there. He was a grounds crew member uh, at, for for uh, uh, the Royals at Kauffman Stadium and was drafted out of high school uh, from Lee Summit North. I didn't ever see him possibly being. He, he's had a good a good year last year as a relief prospect, but I don't know that protecting relief prospects is really what you need to do. I think there might have been a couple other guys like Rudy Martin who would have been a good idea to protect, but you know, if Snyder ends up being a, a great bullpen arm, then they made the right decision. It's hard to tell, but a uh, little surprised on that one. Yeah. And according to the transaction list, Rudy Martin has actually elected free agency. So I believe he is a minor league free agent at this point. And so no longer with the Royals organization at all. I got to assume he'll get picked up. He had a great year in AAA last year uh, and AA and AAA. And so I got to assume some team will see the plate, patience at the plate, the speed and that sort of thing and give him the benefit of the doubt, sign him to a minor league contract or something like that. I'm a little surprised by that as well. I'm a huge Rudy Martin fan, as you know. And so I was really hoping that he would get taken. Also surprised by the Nathan Webb selection, 
in part because I think there were some other relievers who made more sense to protect. I think Josh Dye, a guy who had a lot of success at double A last year, made a little more sense to protect. If you don't know anything about Nathan Webb, the thing he has going for him is he throws very hard. And so maybe there was some reasoning there that like, hey, some major league team will take a guy who can throw this hard stash him in a bullpen and say, Hey, just throw really hard for a while. And if he doesn't do well, eventually they'll just put him, put him back in the minors, but you can have a guy throw 99 at the major league level for a while, for an entire season, especially if you're going to be a bad team. So maybe they thought somebody would take him. Nathan Webb has actually never pitched above high a. And so that's a little bit surprising to me. I think Melendez Prado Boland, we expected all those guys to be protected. Even Garcia to a degree, not a huge surprise Snyder. If we looked more closely, wouldn't be a huge surprise. He struggled in triple a last year, but was very effective in Northwest Arkansas. And so it's not hugely surprising that he got protected, but the Nathan Webb selection to me is a little bit puzzling when there are in my mind, a couple of other guys who make more sense, even as relief prospects to protect. To make room for these guys, some players had to be let go. We, we mentioned in our last episode that the 40-man roster was virtually full, and so they needed to cut some guys in order to make room for these guys they were going to protect. Well, they did that as well. Uh, Ryan McBroom, Kyle Zimmer, and Lucius Fox were all let go in some way. We're all let off the 40-man roster. I believe McBroom is going to play in Japan. Zimmer, I don't know where he's going. Lucius Fox has already signed with one team. And I think then it was the Orioles, maybe, maybe, and then got released. Released or traded, traded to another team. Yeah. He's with a different team now. Uh, and so these guys are moving around a little bit. Don't know where Zimmer's going to be. I don't know if it's broken, if he's um, signed back with the Royals. There's some talk that he might do that. Um, but a few guys were let go. Mike, do you have any thoughts on the people who were let go or maybe weren't let go that we thought might be? Well, I'm going to start with this because it's going to be probably the last time I'm ever going to have the chance to do it. Ryan Boom Boom McBroom going to Japan. Uh, is it Adi? No, not Arigato. That's thank you. Sayonara. Sayonara, Ryan Boom Boom McBroom. Uh, hope he does great in Japan. Seems like a good guy. I, wh- Ryan O'Hearn. <laughs> that's the that's the one that still surprises me and there was there was a lot and mcbroom or not mcbroom oh hern they're the same thing <laughs> came out on twitter and kind of was hearing he heard what the fans were saying which was how could you not why was why is ryan o'hern still on this team like do you have ears have you heard of the internet of if you no have you've heard this stuff about yourself i mean come on and uh, you know he hasn't done anything at the major league level to justify him taking up a spot on the 40 man roster still. Maybe he does. Maybe he's Nicky Lopez plus two years or whatever, uh, however long it's been. It, he's been in there for a long time. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think he is. I think he's taking at bats from Prado probably this year. Um, and that's really, and that's going to be really disappointing. Uh, but yeah, there's no reason why Ryan O'Hearn should be taking up a spot on the 40 man roster at this point. Yeah, I want to read this tweet really quick from Ryan O'Hearn. I don't follow him, so it'll take me a second to find it. Oh, wow. Yeah. It just says, like, feeling the love or something. Like something's very sarcastic. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. It says, feeling the love this morning. And it's just a gif of uh, Rafi from the league saying, come on, bro, high five. Don't leave me hanging. Uh, and it was obviously trolling a little bit. He's not feeling the love. And, you know, I saw some responses to it that were kind of hilarious to me. One of them was like, you know, the only uh, remedy for this is to go out and, and crush this year or something like that. I'm like, don't we know? I mean, come on, guys. Don't we know? Don't we know now what this is? It was kind of baffling to me because I see it from the Chiefs players a lot recently. Like how and maybe and maybe it's because it's fans doing it, it has to be because it's fans. But remember, you're a professional performer. 
So you have to be able to take criticism. That's what coaches do. They criticize your performance to make you better, but fans do it. And they are really sensitive about it. Sometimes yeah. sometimes professional athletes are very sensitive about fans being critical about their performance. Ryan O'Hearn has done nothing that shows that fans shouldn't be critical of their performance. Of his yeah, and, and this is like not a, a personal attack on Ryan. O'Hearn. I no, know it's tough because Ryan O'Hearn a great is probably has a personal connection to his own performance on the field. I get that. Like, uh, but just being like an objective observer, trying to like look at the team and say like, what is best? What makes sense? Like evidentiarily, if that's a word um, based on evidence, how does it look like Ryan O'Hearn deserves a chance to be on the 40 man roster instead of somebody who might get taken in the rule five draft. In my mind, there is no body of evidence that says yes to that. And so, hey, maybe Ryan, maybe I get proven wrong. We were wrong about Nicky Lopez. Maybe Ryan O'Hearn comes out and smashes in 2022, and we have this amazing first baseman. I don't know. I don't. I think the likelihood of that is so small that we. I can't even measure it. But it's just it's it's interesting to me that like he he didn't he got he got to stay on the 40 man roster. Ryan McBroom didn't. And there's all this talk about why, what, what is it about O'Hearn and is it like personal relationships? Is he like really good buds with, you know, Matheny or Dayton? Moore? I don't know. I, I would love a sort of deep dive expose on why Ryan O'Hearn gets to stay on the roster, but somebody like Ryan McBroom doesn't right. When, when it seems like there is no basis in like performance for it, that's just an interesting thing to me. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I was a little, I was a little surprised to see um, even Kyle. I was actually a little surprised that Kyle Zimmer got cut, but you know, it doesn't make a, it, it's not like totally shocking or anything like that, but it is something that uh, stood That's out it. to me a little bit. I mean, it's, it's very disappointing because we now have uh, in the last couple of years, we or in the very recent past uh, a Royals top five pick retiring from baseball and Bubba Starling and a Royals top five pick being released by the Royals and Kyle Zimmer. Those are two top five picks that you missed on you missed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. you can't do that. If you're the Kansas city Royals, you need those guys to be players, to be contributors. Yeah. And yeah. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about a, a column that Alec Lewis wrote recently for the athletic. And in it, he mentions like the, you know, that it takes time to rebuild. And he says four years is pretty quick and things like that. But the, the funny sort of context that doesn't get mentioned is like how fast that rebuild could have been if we had not missed on so many early picks. And you have to acknowledge like Bubba Starling miss Kyle Zimmer miss Ash Russell miss Nolan Watson miss just like a miss after miss after miss after miss after miss. And that has really taken its toll. I mean, you want to mention we've lost Foster Griffin Foster, Yeah. We, we, we've <laughs> lost more that we've lost more games than we've won each of the last four or five seasons. And so, you know, this is why, right? Like this rebuild is happening because Dayton Moore missed on so many draft picks in the first round, especially. And so, yeah, Kyle Zimmer just really gives a, another sort of data point that the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years of first round draft picks have been pretty poor by the Royals. Uh, maybe with the exception of Bobby Wood Jr., we'll see. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. Mike, you and I have been vocal about our desire for the Royals to seek help in the rotation this year, so it makes sense that we would bristle at any argument that they shouldn't. I read a column from Alec Lewis this week that had me a little bit riled. 
My issue with the column is tied to a broader issue I have with how media is done. I don't think beat reporters should be should also be opinion makers. I think it taints their ability to objectively form opinions when they need access to the team to do their jobs. So put simply, I don't think Alec Lewis should have written that column. Uh, I expressed this feeling on Twitter and to his credit, Alec messaged me and we had a little back and forth about it. Basically just sort of a a philosophical thing about me and there's no malice or anything like that. Just constructive discourse. I think Alec is a fantastic beat reporter, a fantastic sports writer. I think he'll be a very, very successful one and is already by all accounts. And though I have an issue with the very act of him writing this column, I also have an issue with the argument that the Royals should do nothing. The argument he was essentially was making was defending their decision to not spend in free agency. But I do want to give that position a fair consideration. So for the spotlight today, I'd like to consider why the Royals should not spend significant money on a starting pitcher this offseason. And but first, I'm going to kick that responsibility to you, Mike. <laughs> hey, <laughs> why not? I was because born I, first, so because I because I have difficulty uh, putting myself <laughs> in other people's shoes, I'm going to make Mike make the argument. Uh, Mike, playing devil's advocate, can you give us a reason why the Royals should not sign a starting pitcher this offseason? Well, one reason I'll give that's it's extremely simple to understand is that any pitcher you bring in will then be blocking a starting spot for one of the guys that you think is ready, and honestly. If you're just looking at the guys who have gotten starts in the last two years with the Royals, there's five of them, maybe six of those guys that might be that are ready to pitch in Major League Baseball. Okay, we're talking Singer, Kowar, Hernandez, Bubich, and who's the other one I'm missing? Lynch, right? There's five. Is there another one I'm missing? You could throw Heasley in there. Might throw Heasley in there. You know, there's, there's just, there's more guys at bullet. Was it Bolin who'd made a start or two? He didn't make a start at the major league level. He made a who, couple starts in the minors and got hurt. Who's the guy I'm thinking of, uh, that came up and started a game or two had a really good sinker, uh, blanket on it now, but you've got at least five there, right? Anybody who comes in and that's, and that's, if you're not talking about Keller at all, or any of the other guys that you have, you know, you have to give starts to that are in your starting rotation already. Um, Anybody you bring in is going to block one of those guys. You're then putting them back into AAA where all of these guys have proven that they can get guys out. So I don't know that that would be my one argument here is if you really want to see if these guys are going to sink or swim, you're only really going to do that at the major league level. And that's not just because they've all proven it at AAA. It's because the talent difference at triple, it's not the same as it used to be anymore. AAA is not the highest talent level that they're going to face all the time. Sometimes it's double A and then you go to triple A and it's like old vets and guys, they're just stashing that are going to make starts or relief appearances or your backup, backup catcher, you know, those guys. So um, I can see why they might not do that because they don't want to block these guys. They want to get them the innings and find out what they are. Yeah. That to me is like the biggest point in favor of not signing a, uh, like a big name starting pitcher. That doesn't mean you can't go out and sign like some reclamation projects, some guys who are, you're going to stash or stash in triple a, because you know, no rotation only needs five guys. You need 10 guys at least who are going to make starts for you during the year. And, you know, so they'll, they'll sign a couple of those guys, no matter what I'm sure. But that is an excellent point in the don't, don't make a signing argument is that, you know, they have aspiring young pitchers, they don't want to, um, you know, get them time. They want to see what they have. They want to, them to mature at the major league level. Uh, sort of along with that, you're going to have to pay those guys eventually. And actually, Singer and Bubich will hit arbitration before too long. It's it's not that long from now that they're going to have to start paying Singer, Bubich, those guys 
and then Hernandez, and then eventually they're going to have to pay Prado and Melendez and Bobby Wood Jr. and things like that. And so, and if they're smart, they'll do something like sign Bobby Wood Jr. immediately. Like they, they need to pull a Wander Franco and sign him to a long-term contract as soon as possible. But I, I, there is an argument, they won't, they won't, but there is an argument to be made that you save that money now and you spend it on your own guys. You don't go out and get free agents with that. Now, I don't know that I buy that argument. It sort of all depends on when they are actually hoping to compete. And so the, the question that I have is if they don't spend big, does that mean that they don't actually, that competing in 2022 isn't the real goal, right? That maybe competing in 2023 is the real goal. I, I, I think it does. I think signal, I think not going out and getting a free agent starting pitcher this year or trading for one or something like that this offseason means that they're not actually trying to compete in 2022 in the same way that they would if they went out and spent the money. Because look at last year they had this same pitchers available last year and their starting pitching was garbage, right? We even didn't even mention Brad Keller, right? Like who is another young ish guy who they'll have to pay soon. Who's going to have to be in the rotation. And so that's even more, but like last year, their rotation was not good with the exact same guys they have now minus Danny Duffy, who was their best pitcher last year. And so it's, it's one of those things where if you were going to try and compete this year, you would probably bring somebody in on a short-term deal. Like, you know, uh, Syndergaard got, or like, like one of these one, two year deals that these guys are getting, you would probably do something like that. If you were trying to compete in 2022 and, and see, I don't see it that way. I think their idea is this. We're not sure what we're going to get out of those starting pitchers. So here's the, the kind of messed up inverse thing. I think if they come out and they're competitive and those starting pitchers are doing well early in the year, I think they might go get a starting pitcher. Even if those guys are performing well, I think they're kind of hedging and playing it safe and saying, we're going to go out and see what we get out of these guys early in the year. If we feel like we're competitive, we'll go out and trade for a guy, pay him, And that way they don't have to end up paying him as much because let's be honest, a lot of the guys that we thought that they might be monetarily in for this year ended up getting massively inflated deals. And so Maybe they're thinking, well, we can go out there and trade for a guy in July, in June or July if we need to, and we'll be paying him contracts that weren't from this offseason, that weren't crazy inflated. We can get him for a half a year or a year and a half to, to bolster that starting lineup if we feel that's what's keeping us from being in serious contention or something like that. Or if you know maybe one of those guys get hurt or a couple of them get hurt. But I, I don't think that this necessarily means that they're not planning on competing for next year, because if some things fall into place in their lineup, you only need Brad Keller to be Brad Keller before last year. You need Hernandez to be the same guy that he was last year. And you've got somewhat of a steady rotation. OK, so here's here's my thinking. Like it's June of 2022. The Royals are last in the AL Central. They've had a terrible start to the year. What? What do we say then? Like what happens? Do we look back and say, oh man, they should have got, they should have gone and gotten a starting pitcher. Or is that a moment where we start saying, well, man, they need to do something to completely overhaul this rotation because Cal Eldred isn't getting the job done. Brady Singer's not getting the job done. You know, Jackson Kowar, Daniel Lynch, these guys aren't getting the job done. What do we do at that point? At that point, if, if you're in dead last, Cal Eldred shouldn't have a job at that point anyway, because you just were given right now. 
you, you were just given six or seven dudes that all had a shitload of promise and none of them are performing yet at, ma- in the, at the major league level, you're gone. You cannot be there. Okay. You then have to start doing some really hard assessments and going, maybe this guy and this guy aren't it. And we've got to figure out ways to fix that um, or whatever it is, the targeted responses to your starting rotation. Because um, if you come, for example, if you come out next year and for the first half of the season, Brady Singer's got a five ERA, there's a big problem there. If he's the exact same pitcher that he's been and he doesn't take a step forward, big problem. Okay. If you come out and Keller's a head case and he's given up eight runs in the first inning regularly, like he did last year, early on in the year, same with that's Coar. a problem. Yeah. Same with Coar. Yeah. Those, it, then that's a problem, not just with your coaching staff, but you might have to start saying maybe Brad Keller is not a long-term solution here. Yeah. You, know, you have to start making those decisions because you're the Royals. You but, can't afford to sit around. Well, yeah. we'll give them, we'll give them 200 more innings to figure well, it at out. That, at that point though, you've, you've bagged 2022 because yeah. there's nothing you can do at that point. Like, and so the it's question a will risk be- to not go out and sign a starting pitcher here. It is a big risk that says, Hey, these guys who have never proven it at the major league level, these guys who have been bad at the major league level in all case, most cases, right? So singer has not been good, especially recently. Kowar has not been good. You know, Hernandez was good for a little bit. Lynch was kind of okay Bubich has been maybe major league average like these guys haven't been great Keller was bad for most of all of last year you're banking on them all basically taking a significant step forward with the coaching staff that they currently have that's a big risk that is a big risk and so if you're willing to take that big of a risk that's to me what signals that 20 you know how they say like the teams that end up winning are the ones with the fewest number of ifs, right? Like if this goes well, if this goes well, if this goes well, they'll win. The team that has the fewest number of ifs are the ones that win, right? To me, this is an enormous if, right? Or this is like six or seven ifs. If Brad Keller goes back to being good, if Brady Singer takes a huge step forward, if Hernandez keeps, you know, going what he, what he had going last year and stays healthy, you know, all these ifs are pretty big. Whereas you go out, you sign a guy like Marcus Stroman, you go out, you sign a guy like, you know, whoever, those Steven feel Matt. like, even Matt, those feel like smaller. Those don't feel like such significant ifs. Yeah. Uh, here's going to be the interesting thing to me. If they start plugging in some of those young hitters early on, if Bobby Witt Jr.'s in the, you know, maybe not the opening day lineup, but, you know, a few weeks in, or I don't know how they're going to do the, I don't know what the status is going to be for those guys if they have to hold them back two weeks like they used to. Um, but if, if those guys are in the lineup early and the lineup is producing like crazy and they're hovering around 500 because their pitching staff is letting them down, that's going to be the real reckoning at, at the halfway point because it's going to, people are going to start looking around going, the pitching from that that draft class was supposed to be our savior. That was supposed to be it. Like, why haven't we turned this into anything? Because, and you and I have said this, and other we're not super geniuses here. Other people have said this as well. The Royals do not have a good track record at drafting and developing pitchers. They don't. Okay? it's It never has been that way. Since the Dayton Moore era, they have never drafted and developed pitchers well. You can point to maybe a couple of guys, one guy here and there, but that that's not enough. I mean, Kyle Zimmer. There you go. No, you, we just we just listened to all named off. a I bunch mean. of them. Russell, <laughs> Nolan Watson, you know, Foster uh, Griffin, Scott Blewett. You know, like God these are all guys. These are all guys who have not worked out as pitchers who have been drafted and developed. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. We'll see if it ends up really hurting them. The Royals have gone out and signed a pitcher, 
Uh, he is not a starting pitcher. He is a reliever. His name is Taylor Clark. He, the one signing that they've had this offseason was a relief pitcher from uh, Arizona named Taylor Clark, or at least that's the last team he played with. They signed him for about a million dollars a year on a one-year deal. Uh, he's a guy with good stuff who may be on the cusp of putting it together. Hard fastball, good slider. His peripherals are a little better than his overall numbers, but he had a uh, like a three and a half fielding independent pitching last year, but he also had a one and a half whip, which really scares me. Um, basically, if he can harness his good stuff, he'll be a good bullpen piece, but I'm just not sure that buttressing the bullpen, which seems like the only thing they want to do is enough for next year. Okay. For me and all of our other uh listeners what does buttressing mean means like supporting it like uh if this if if our ship is falling apart what or if our if a wall is falling apart you put a thing up next to it to support it so it doesn't fall apart so buttressing just means like uh uh, supporting it that sounds made up okay uh i'm gonna go with uh i do not think that just having a bullpen a really good bullpen is going to do it for the royals they're gonna have to get get something out of those young starting pitching. Now, do I think the Royals model that won them the world series a few years ago, where they pitch their starters, basically five innings and then rely on bullpen arms that can pitch a lot. Do I think that's a viable thing? I do, but you gotta, you still gotta get five innings out of good innings out of guys, six good innings out of guys, you know? Um, yes. You're lucky that you've got some bullpen arms that will go to sometimes even more than two innings, uh, and Barlow and some of those other guys that are, that are good. They're solid pieces. Um, Brent's. now Brent's is another good gem that they found last year, but, um, no, you're not going to get it done with just a strong bullpen. You're not. And I know the Royals still love the, Oh, they're cheap and you can, you can put them together and they work for small market teams. That's great. You have to have starting pitching in major league baseball, at least right now until the, until they completely revolutionize it and, change it up, you still have to have starting pitching. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just a Bit Outside segment, where we talk about something that is interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, kick us off with something that's interesting outside the world of baseball this week. I'm going to go with wrestling. Wrestling. Okay? Wrestling. And I'm talking about actual wrestling, uh, like you might see at, a, at the high school like level. Like Macho Man Randy Savage. Not, not like Macho Man Randy Savage. Flying elbow although, right off the though, uh, Obviously, you and I were both big uh, WWF Ooh, at yeah. the time. We were big WWF fans back in the day. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm talking about actual wrestling. Um, so for seven or eight years, I coached uh, middle school wrestling. I was not a wrestler. I was a... Uh, uh, we, we, we did basketball when we were in middle school. We, we played a little basketball high school, but I was not a wrestler. But when I started coaching wrestling, I kind of got into it. And I'm like, you know what? It's fun to watch. So I'll watch college wrestling now from time to time. But I, it just gets me thinking like, man, if there was a way to make your kid both mentally and physically tougher, wrestling, I think, is the way to do it. I do. Because now here's the messed up thing, though, that, that kind of scares me because, you know, I'm about to have a child as well. Do I want to get my kid into wrestling? It's the parents. They're, 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 they're fucking weird, man. They're yeah, weird they're people. All right. Yeah, they're insane. I've seen some weird stuff at wrestling tournaments with wrestling parents. I've seen wrestling parents threaten officials and have to be escorted out by the police. I have seen them attack other parents. I have seen them drag their own child, literally drag. I'm not talking about like, oh, well, you know, dragging, you No, the kid was on his back. Mom was dragging by the feet. Mom of, was dragging him by the yeah. feet. Oh yeah. A lot of times it's the moms. They're Wrestling moms are nuts. Uh, nuts. And so yeah, it's, it, 
it's some weird stuff, but I, I do like it as a sport. I, I think it's a good thing. And I think uh, in Missouri, anyway, we've, we've start, started to make it so it's more accessible to female athletes as well. And so, uh, you know, get your, get your uh, sons and daughters into wrestling. It's, it's, a, it's a cool thing. But if you can, avoid, don't, don't, avoid some of the wrestling parents. because they're, Don't they're become that. Don't become that nuts. wrestling parents. Okay. Right. Don't become that wrestling parent. Everybody just lot, take a and here's breath. The thing, and here's the thing. It's, it's, it's like a lot of other things. It's a few small parents given the large majority a bad name. Yeah. You know, because most of them are great. But, you know, the, the, they, they get the nut bars more than the other sports do, I feel like. Well, and I feel like wrestling is conducive to hearing and seeing the nut bars. And so, like, at a football game, you have a couple nut bar parents in the stands. Nobody notices, really, or nobody on the field notices because you're so far away. Exactly. In, a, in a gym, when, like, the nut bar parent is right there. Is there. And, like, yeah. and it's not basketball where everyone's cheering. So, like, every, all, the nut bar parents can all be heard from the stands very, very <laughs> easily in, in a gymnasium. And so, if, if you're going to get into wrestling with your kid, just remind yourself don't be that person, right? Like don't be the parent who is one embarrassing the hell out of their kid. And two, just making everyone else miserable and sorry for you. Um, but yeah, wrestling, great sport. Also don't encourage your kid to cut a bunch of weight. It is very unhealthy for them. So please don't do that. There's big time restrictions and rules against that now. So. Okay, good. Because it is really bad for you. I'm going to talk about something pleasant and seasonal and that is hot chocolate. I don't drink coffee. And so if I go into a coffee place, I always get hot chocolate. Love it. It is the perfect season for it. I do have one slight complaint though. And that is if you go into like a legit coffee place or even like a Starbucks, oftentimes their hot chocolate is garbage. And it, I don't know why I don't, I, I feel like they're trying to do too much with it. I feel like they're like, Oh, these are, you know, this is like dark roasted Peruvian chocolate or something. It's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Just if you have to, if you don't know how to make, just pour some Swiss miss in there. <laughs> make me a hot- I, need some, I need some powdered Swiss miss. What do you, what is this? You know what? It's better than what Starbucks is doing. Whatever Starbucks is doing, there's a Starbucks like two blocks from my house. I can easily walk there. I'll get a hot chocolate from there. And I'm like, why is this bitter? Why is this hot chocolate so bitter? It's supposed to be really sweet and hurt your teeth. I know. Come on, guys. It's chocolate, for Lord's sake. You know, I'm not here to drink whatever espresso you're actually it's making. It's a cacao nib. That's what it actually is. It's probably a cacao nib or something like that. I don't want that. I don't want something from the Peruvian rainforest. I want fake chocolate with like hot milk in it or whatever, you know, like, uh, and so I actually found one place down by where I work that does really great hot chocolate, even though it's like a fancy coffee shop, but most of the fancy coffee shops I get hot chocolate at, it's just not good. And so get with it, fancy coffee or coffee places. I want to drink hot chocolate. I want to give you money, but you're not helping me out here. I need to tell you, we, uh, this was a while ago, even. It might have been like the summer. I don't know. I was having a craving for hot chocolate. So we went to the grocery store and bought like 50 packets of Swiss Miss for really cheap. And you should really just do that because it's super easy to do. And then you go get a can of the Ready Whip and boom, you are living a dream. Yeah, I went to Costco many years ago and bought like a giant tower of Swiss Miss packets. And I'm still like, this was when I lived in Virginia when it's, I moved it, back it's here, moved with you? <laughs> no, it hadn't moved with me, but, but I just had to throw a bunch of them away because I still had a bunch left. Uh, because despite the fact that I do enjoy drinking hot chocolate, I would have to drink one every single day for like two years to get through all these hot chocolates. But yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Swiss miss route for right now because they just can't, they can't get it right at these fancy coffee places. I hear you. 
And that's all we have. The coffee disc or hot chocolate discourse, wrestling discourse, and maybe a little bit about baseball. That's all that's going on right now. There's it's a lockout. Yeah. Hopefully they get their welcome to lockout podcast. Welcome to lockout <laughs> podcast, baby. We're talking about hot chocolate. Yeah. Well, hopefully they, I don't think they're going to get this lockout resolved until like February. And so don't expect any like hot news. Don't expect a special episode from us because news is breaking. That's not going to happen. And so uh, hopefully they get it resolved as soon as possible. They get back to doing some business. We can talk a little bit about something, but until then be good to each other. And Mike go Royals. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.